You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey, and today we are joined by Adam U. Malcolm Lovejoy, uh, whom we ran into just a few weeks ago at the Taboo Show in Toronto, and it had been a couple years. I just want to tell the people about you before we dive in. So you are a hip-hop artist, a journalist, you are an adult entertainer, you are the winner of two international porn awards, uh, feminist porn, I think. That's right. And just you're just a lovely person. You're passionately devoted to providing safety, satisfaction, sex ed, inspiration, and everlasting memories for folks of all genders and exploring just intimacy needs and sexuality. Your services range from, I was looking at your website, you have massage, you have cuddling, you have the boyfriend experience, the porn star experience, love coaching. You do it all. And I know that that short bio does not do you justice so what did i miss tell us about you <laughs> oh i am honored and i'm thankful that you spread that truth i i i don't know if i could say all but i do as much as my body and mind and soul possibly can in a day for somebody who needs love and truth and help in this very very violent and cold and and beautiful and crazy wild world we're all in so um yeah i mean you know there's I do my best. I mean, it's been 10 years. I have won a couple of awards and uh, I, I've got a, <laughs> X amount of experience in the, what I like to call the trenches of love and relationship. And um, yeah, but you know, um, I also do music. Um, I'm working on a book and the book has been my, my Achilles heel. It's, for some reason, I can write articles and I could write bios for other people and I can write about poly all the time, but finishing my book has been a problem. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a big book nerd about sex, so. I'm doing what I can in this life to spread love and joy and truth. Well, we look forward to the book. And I think we need to talk about that connection between hip hop and porn and your journey from hip hop to porn and back and forth. And of course, we're dealing with this week, the, you know, brutal and tragic death of takeoff from Migos. And I've seen, you know, numerous reactions across, you know, social media platforms, ranging from kind of accusations around hip hop and the supposedly inherent violence to, you know, reactions that are really informed by love and reasons why it can be difficult for so many folks to access love and why we turn oftentimes to violence and, you know, being territorial and how that's rooted in you know, patriarchy and racism and all of these other elements that are a part of the reality. So I don't, I don't know how you're feeling after that sad news yesterday. Um, I, I love and I really appreciate the awareness and healing that you bring around to it because, um, yeah, I, I, it, I, I was uh, dealing with it yesterday. Um, I, there's a couple, there's, there's so much to say, but somebody, there, one of my first reactions that I kind of, kind of really resonated with me is somebody said, yo, I come from a generation where Tupac and Biggie died but those guys died six months apart and there wasn't rappers dying every week in that time. And back in 1996, 97, when a rapper died, it was of course tragic and heartbreaking and, and, and a horrible, un, unsensible, like a senseless loss, but there was time to process it. We could kind of, it still breaks my heart because nobody was ever arrested for either one of those murders, but there was time to process it. Like now there's just rappers dying every week, every couple of days. And it's just like, some of them are young and and it's, sometimes it's just life is feels so, so fleeting and so worthless and so valueless the, in this generation. And it's really heartbreaking because that's not what hip hop is supposed to be, really isn't. So, yeah, well, I want to have this be a dialogue. Look, what else did you think? Because 
I, I have a couple other things to say too, but yeah. Well, I want to know what hip hop is supposed to be. I know Brandon was listening to some of your music, but what do you see hip hop as? Well, I mean, hip hop is, it originally started as the news of the ghetto. It was, it was really, it was really how we spoke. It was folk music for people of color, for disenfranchised people. It was the voice of the voiceless. It was people who couldn't get on CNN or, or ABC regular news, but had their stories and had their family and friends and crime in the streets or, or going to day-to-day -day jobs or whatever, having dreams and hopes and struggles and art forms and talent that was not being expressed or exposed. So hip hop made parties and made their own space to do it. And now it's on top of the world. I got to see, I'm in my mid forties now, and I got to see hip hop just grow up from a thing that they used to say, oh, this will never last another summer. I remember in the beginning of the nineties and when in the big days of uh, <laughs> MC Hammer and <laughs> Vanilla Ice, they're like, oh, hip hop, the entire culture is a fad. It's not gonna last two years. And I was like, no, man, we're going to stick around. And I was like, if, if there's going to be five of us, we're going to last. And no, there's more than five of us. And we are now, you know, God bless rock and roll, which is another black art form. But like, it's just hip hop is now the biggest music on the planet. And I know in the 90s, we kind of didn't think it would be this big. But all that being said, it's now the biggest art form on the planet. And in some ways, like it gained the world to lose its soul. Because like how... How, like, me, uh, Takeoff is 28 years old. He's a multimillionaire. Like, what's the point? Like, uh, sometimes I think about it these days. I'm like, would it have been better for Takeoff to never have found hip-hop and to just be a regular Black man working in Atlanta right now, just being a mailman? Maybe he would have had grandkids if he never found hip-hop. And hip-hop, he was never shot senselessly at a dice game last night in Houston, like, some of these rappers die over some of the most senseless things, like the PMB murder, like getting murdered at a at a chicken and waffles, you know, like rappers dying over shoes or girlfriends or or like a, a Louis Vuitton bag and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. So hip hop was not about that. Like hip hop was never about murdering people over ego or violence or masculine ignorance or guns or violence. Like, drugs or whatever like no life is worth that so that's why i got into sexuality and, and and emotional work and healing and stuff like that because so many people in hip-hop were really kind of broken and yeah it's just it's it's so deep it's wild it's it's tragic so how do those two go hand in hand so hip-hop and you're in sexuality you're an adult performer what are you trying to what's your mission what are you trying to accomplish here i want to create as much love and examples of love and documents of love and articles i want to make is the books are the hardest thing but as many podcasts as i can i'm not afraid to talk i i love to express myself i i have a mc in me and a journalist and i want to definitely be an example of a man that walked this earth and spread love and truth and was an example of justice and did not harm his lovers and was consensual about the sexuality and the porn and the kink and the freaky orgies and the wild sex parties and and all the all the fun hedonistic beautiful things that, that we are free to do in a lifetime if you find the spaces where it's happening and you consensually connect to the community i'm not hurting anybody i'm not i'm not abusing my power to get into the places of privilege and pleasure that I go to. I'm studying the way I have to study and, and, and I'm learning what I have to learn. And then I go to sex parties and whatever and or hip hop concerts. 
And I spread love and truth in music and dancing and good energy. And if somebody wants to make love to me, I'm right here. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, I don't play games at all. I had a wonderful Halloween of beautiful sex. And uh, I met some new partners and whatever. And I had like some porn. It's cool because my life is sometimes very porn oriented. And then sometimes it's very music oriented. And I like to go back and forth because porn can be frustrating sometimes too. And then music can be frustrating. And then journalism can be frustrating too also because... I used to come from days where I used to like have articles printed and now magazine and stuff. And we like, there's barely any even print magazines anymore. So, you know. Right. And you have to produce things so quickly for such a low, low pay rate. I, I know about that. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my first gig out of school was writing 10 articles a week for this website on sexuality. And That's for 10 articles. Started? Yeah, 10 articles. I was paid $100 U.S. A week. What? Are and I was like, oh, that's like 130 Canadian at the time. <laughs> but can you imagine writing 10, or the, the, the expectation, and people complain about, you know, the decline of journalism, but it really is about the profits. But l let's go back to, okay. You're so right. So, Thank you for I, sharing that. Oh, like, <laughs> so much pain to share. But yes, yes. We so if we go to go back to some of the stuff that you're into, so I, I think people want to learn from you. They want to hear about you. So you had a great Halloween last week. We were actually going to record, but you were at a porn shoot. Tell us a little bit about that. What 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 happens on a porn shoot? What do people get wrong? What is it like for you? How do you cultivate an environment of safety and trust and love and pleasure? Well, on a porn shoot, it is like um, uh, a fantasy mixed with your regular sexual experience mixed with the highest and most respectful business and work environment that you've ever been in all happening at once so ideally ideally because i'm sure not all porn shoots are ideally like yes but, <laughs> but these are the ones you're on okay, these are the ones tell, that tell I, us yeah, more. yeah the ones that i very much try to provide and the ones that i will show up and participate yes it's you know, you're working with people who have the same morals and values and generally align in, in, internally with you and have the similar, if not the same, but similar kinks and, and fantasies and desires. So you're like, all right, well, you know, we want to we wanna fuck and maybe we want to wear some bunny costumes today. So it's like, oh, you want to wear a bunny costume too? All right, let's do this. So you get together and then, and then you discuss, you know, what you want to do and then you definitely discuss what you do not want to do and what you do not want to have happen to you and you know your hard nose your limits and your your boundaries and your safety requirements and you both negotiate that you both come to an agreement and then usually it happens the same day but sometimes you're negotiating for future stuff and then like what separates porn from dating in and regular human relationships is a professional will show up and you know uh whether it's i like to parallel i like to, sometimes i like to parallel uh, martial arts and fighting with porn because like because there's you know it's like also it's like um gladiators in an arena there's there's everybody's talking shit everybody's on the outside everybody says they can do it but porn is two gladiators getting in the arena and throwing down boxing is two people getting in the ring and throwing down porn is two or more people getting in a bedroom in front of a camera and fucking and like so many people sit back and they watch they could be a voyeur or person in the audience whatever and they say they can do it but porn is professional people showing up to share passion and i am that person 
So I have a question about your in this. You talk about two people discussing what they will and won't do in advance, but isn't there a director? Isn't there somebody telling you also what they want, or is it more creative in that you and your partner get to actually formulate the scene? Does it depend on what is needed or wh who's shooting? How does that work? I'm glad you asked because um, 20 years ago, there was definitely more director-oriented porn, and it was closer to the old-school Hollywood but um, with the advent of smartphones, everybody is their own director now. Every like POV is whoever's holding the camera is the director. But for sure, like in the early '90s, it was you know California, Miami, Las Vegas led porn, and those are you know Vivid or you know various companies, and um, they, it would be the director making the decisions, the director primarily choosing the talent, and you know if the talent really doesn't like to work with each other, they won't. But it'll be like the director kind of guiding the scene and guiding the dialogue and everything. Definitely guiding the edits of what gets shown and what not, what doesn't show up in the final cut. But um, nowadays, no, I like, we were all directors. So, you know, we're all actor, director, editors, <laughs> publishers, marketers, and promoters. So it's a free for all. And uh, yeah, I definitely, I don't like to focus on some of the traditional things. Like I don't have to have, come shots in my videos I, I i like to put way more pussy eating than most porn have i like to have kissing i like to i want to have romance in my porn and uh that's part of what i really want to bring to the table so yeah i'm really trying to inspire that I love that. So it sounds like porn is becoming more democratic, more accessible. And of course, it gets a bad rap. We always talk about porn not being education. But the reality is that in the absence of comprehensive sex education that actually depicts pleasure in various forms, people are turning to porn as their number one source of education. Now, I get that, you know, you're in the entertainment business. Do you ever think about that? Because your worlds collide because you are both a sex educator and a porn performer. Uh, you're you're right. I mean, it's... <laughs> People do take in various sources of media for their education and whether it's a silly movie which influences society or a TV show which influences society, uh, people are being influenced by things all the time. Like art imitates life and life imitates art. It goes back and forth. And sexuality is the realm where the government and religion and you know the, the medical establishment, they've had the least comprehensive and respectful conversations with society about, hey, you know, who is responsible for teaching things? So whatever school you know in schools are like oh we're gonna teach you how to you know roll a condom on a banana and then that's it we're not really going to talk to you about anything really and a post-secondary education you don't really learn anything unless you go into the realm of sexuality itself so people are just kind of sent out they're they're 18 or 21 years old and just thrown into the wilderness of life and be like okay well whatever you want or whatever you think and you just good luck and hope you don't ruin your sex life and love life and real life and so yeah like i i really try to inspire uh, it, and i really try not to be forceful about it because the world doesn't need another forceful dominant man talking shit about what he thinks you know i just try to provide an example and for those who want to show up and learn from me i offer all my heart and wisdom for those who want guidance i offer it i do there's a young man in ottawa i there's some young men who have actually shown up and been like hey you know what i will pay for your wisdom and education i'm like okay I will provide it. I'm not going to force it on you. So you want to learn? I will teach you. If your father didn't teach you or your peers didn't teach you, I can teach you. And uh, I uh, another good thing that happened is 
I was at Oasis once with a wonderful partner I shoot with um, named Samantha Jones. Oh, just for people who don't know, Oasis is a sex club in Toronto. Uh, it's really cool. We have a whole episode on it. I did a live tour of it on, on Facebook Live if people want to go back and look. But Oasis is downtown. It's sort of taking the sex club from the back room to the living room because it's just, it's an old house. It's not in a strip mall. It's in the middle of everything. Like I, I can walk to it yes. from my house downtown. So just for a little context. Okay. Yes. So you're at Oasis, yes. setting oh, the scene. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, I, I live close too. And it's great. Um, Every major and minor city should have a sex club and a, a community for sex gathering. So um, I was at Oasis with a wonderful uh, partner that I shoot with, Samantha Jones. We've been shooting together. I have a professional relationship with her on camera. It's wonderful. She's incredibly uh, respectful and uh, professional about her sexuality. And we did a wonderful scene in the pool together. And there was some romance, there was some sex, there was some uh, cuddling and some intimacy. And then we put the scene online and then she said she got hired as an escort next week after we put the scene up. And somebody said, I want to recreate the exact scene that you did with Malcolm. And so, yeah, she had, I was like, yes, a guy watched my porn and saw how I am romantic and loving and gentle with a woman. And he wanted to recreate it from there. So it's like, yes, porn does influence education and porn can influence society. And it doesn't have to be like, a guy being like, oh shit, um, that girl is getting gagged in her fucking mouth by a 12 inch dick. So all girls want to get gagged or choked or whatever. It's like, no, like it's all contextual. And, you know, like hopefully some people see some sensual, romantic, feminist, respectful porn, you know, dominatrix porn where the woman is in control and, and a man can realize like, hey, like it's fun to not always be in control of the situation. Like there is very much power in being submissive and there's very much pleasure in giving somebody else control. I, I'm, I was going to ask you, you know, what are some of the lessons we can take away from porn, but you're already kind of parsing through them, you know, the, the idea of talking about what you want, talking about your limits, playing different roles, finding power in submission, not leaning into gender stereotypes. This is what you're, you're living, you're embodying, it's what we're seeing in your porn. And I should actually stop for a moment and ask, where can people access your porn? Thank you. Um, uh, there is some on makelovenotporn.com. Uh, you can, if you type up makelovenotporn, you can find it there. I have a, uh, a website called Spit Magazine, and it's uh, spit.exposed. I have an OnlyFans, obviously, OnlyFans slash Malcolm Lovejoy, many vids. Uh, yeah, and I also do a lot of independent stuff for a couple other companies. Shout out to Pink Label TV. I've got a video on there. Shout out to Sinis Sinclair in Winnipeg. Um, she's one of the greatest, greatest people. Oh, she's fantastic. She's a fantastic director and she's doing one, some angel, earth angel work and, and really merging, fighting the government and just doing wonderful stuff. Like, I, I just, I love the, like the sex community. I really, it, I feel like it's chosen family in many ways. Like you're, you're, y'all you, are the mad family. And when I see y'all at the conventions, it's just y'all are extended cousins. Y'all are just people who get it. We're like, have good hearts and still like to have fun, but are also fucking adult, have wisdom and, and respect. I know we were so happy to run into you after all these years. And, and of course, folks, you can head also to malcolmlovejoy.com. And that is your website where a bunch of your services are outlined. I want to talk about your services, but I also want to talk about sex parties and orgies because people are 
super curious. You talk about going into them with curiosity, cultivating consent, making sure that you're not forcing yourself into those spaces, but you're invited into those spaces. So where do we even begin? Like, let's let's start at the top. What is the wildest orgy you've ever been a part of? Oh, my God, coming from you. Whoa. Wow. Oh, my God. I, uh... So far, uh, I, I love to say so far because I want to keep breaking these records. <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> I think my my biggest source might have been fourteen people. Like uh, what? Like one single bed? Like was seven couples fucking? I, uh, that was that was a, that was a wonderful moment. We all got to go around in a circle, and everyone said, "This is what I want. This is what I don't want. And this is what my name is." And oh. it was fantastic. It was really really. Like it had just enough communication and connection and it was just, it was slightly anonymous, but also slightly sharing. All right. You'll know my first name, one of my kinks and the thing not to do to me. <laughs> and that's all you need to know. <laughs> and who facilitated that? I'm not asking for the name of the person, but was there somebody who said like, you know what, let's, let's chat before we get started, but let's also set some Oscar music time on this so that people don't tell their whole life story. Here's three things about me. Was there someone kind of facilitating that orgy? Yeah, well, somebody just threw the idea out there and it just felt right. Like we were, somebody first said, hey, let's all go over here and fuck. And then everyone who heard that was, who was interested was like, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> it's better than doing what I'm doing now. So then we all gathered in one space and then while we were there, everyone was kind of in the couples. And then we we're like, all right, before we get this started, like there's a lot of us here. So let's kind of like, like let's wrangle these cats a little tiny bit and just like have a tiny bit of <laughs> structure to the chaos. So were you, yeah. Were you at a sex club when this happened or were you just at a party? Yeah, yeah. We, it was also, yeah, it was also at a They Oasis. weren't, they weren't at the mall. Well, well no. And, <laughs> I, and it, but I think there's this idea for people who haven't seen it, experienced it, or, you know, been interested that it just kind of happens randomly at somebody's house at a, ho a house party. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I think it's the, from what you've expressed, this consensual interest from all parties who are willing to have a conversation before and then participate, which is different than I think most people would assume how it happens. You're absolutely right. Like, I I mean, I don't really go to regular places too much anymore. Like, I, I can't really operate in bars. I don't, I don't, I don't operate on the three date thing and like taking three weeks or whatever to, uh, to confess your feelings or whatever. Like, I move very fast, very honest. And in the first five or 10 minutes of meeting me now, I, I don't I don't push it in people's faces. But if people are like, oh, well, what do you do? I'm like, I'm trying to learn who you are. I'm like, well, I will gauge if how mature they are. And I'll be like, okay, well, I do. I might say I do sexuality or I'll say I do porn or I'd some variation of it. And I will let people know in the first five or 10 minutes, I work in adult filmmaking and porn and sexuality. And if you can't handle that, if you just... If you judge me or you take that wrong, I won't even, we can't even continue any conversation. I won't be your friend in any way. Like, cause like no matter what, I won't judge you. If you're a garbage man, are you fucking like, 
or your pop pimples for a living, or I don't know what you do. I will not That's judge you. So don't judge. <laughs> yeah. I have some friends who <laughs> yeah, love exactly. popping pimples. They don't do it for a living, but they really love doing it. They're like, oh, can I come over and pop your pimple? To each their own. To eat. Brandon's looking at <laughs> me. Each their, exactly. Don't yuck someone's yum in the bedroom and out of the And so, what you're saying so yeah, is like, really about the, you know, I guess opportunity to live authentically, right? If they're, if they're not open to it, this is a big part of not only what you do, but who you are, right? Some people have a job mm-hmm. where it's something they do, but some of us who have, you know, some feel like we have a bit of a calling. It is a big part of who we are. And I feel that way very much. And it's part of, I'll, I'll admit right now, why I feel a little disillusioned by or disconnected from the sexuality field, because I got into this really just wow. around education and helping people. And yes, of course, I make a living and I, I make a good living and I'm very thankful for that. And I love what I do. But the shift that we've seen over the last five years where everything is now commercialized, everything is something that can be capitalized upon. Every message, it has to become a meme that can go viral so that you can get more followers. I find that really, I find it exhausting. And it's it honestly makes me think of leaving the field often because, you know, I did an article or I contributed to an article the other day and I think the headline was even Walmart sells sex toys now and it's true walmart target you know the big drug stores are all cvs walgreens up here in, in canada and you see shoppers drug mart like they're all getting into the game for those of us who have been kind of fighting the fight to normalize sexuality to make it accessible to destigmatize that is a huge celebration so the the first side is that there's this beautiful exciting movement that we've been a part of but then there's also this mm-hmm. piece where we're sort of being pushed out because if we can't commodify what we're doing at a certain level we're going to be left in the dust and maybe we won't you know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm an influencer, so I'm going to talk about this. And that's fine. I'm not saying you need to, I definitely don't believe people need to go to school. I don't believe that it all has to be credentialed because I think there's huge, obviously, accessibility issues there and we're missing some important voices. But Amen. I think there has to be a passion or a willingness to learn and an acknowledgement mm-hmm. of all the work that came before all of us, right? All the work yeah. that's being done from people who maybe don't have the platform that I have, but I continue to learn from them. And I always want to kind of give credit and showcase and whatnot. And I'm so Sorry, I took it off the rails a little bit, but there. No, no, no. I, it's all matters, and I love what you're talking about. Continue. Like the, there you're is right. this piece around. Here's what we're, we're doing because we love it, and it's a big part of who we are as opposed to just what we do. And if people aren't in line with that, I'm not saying I'll never talk to you. I'm not saying we can't, you know, hang around, but we won't be able to have the same connection as we do with mm-hmm. the people who really value. The change, the revolution, the peace around reproductive rights, and also justice. Like th- these things are all tied together. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, in every interview that I remember, you just clicked the, the saying that I live and breathe. I sincerely, sincerely believe that sexual rights are the civil rights movement of the 21st century. Mm. I really believe that. I embody that. I like it's the way that in the 50s and 60s, black people and people of color were marching for, you know, to drink at water fountains and to go on buses and just have quality in society and just go to school. In this generation, it's gay, lesbian, and trans people of color trying to get jobs and trying to work in the army and trying to just have, you know, go to uh, go to like sex clinics and be re- like seen as a regular person instead of judged as some you know freak or whatever or just you know kids just coming out at school a 14 year old or a 16 year old being like hey i want to explore my trans identity and we live in a day of you know so much computerization so this kid is going to be exposed by the internet and hopefully we can protect them instead of having them be beat up or ostracized or killed like might have happened in the 90s or 80s and it's still happening today it's still happening still, today. of course and you're right i it's... would never be exactly 
It's fundamental human rights to be able to go to school and go to work and feel safe, right? To be able to walk out on the street and feel safe. And there are so many people who don't have that right, and including queer people. And it's intensified if you have, you know, different intersections of marginalized identities. And I, I think it's interesting because, you know, I was thinking about, you know, this interview and what we're going to talk about and what you can learn from a, a porn performer. And it's more than just, hey, talk about what you want before you have sex and practice safe sex and get tested. It intersects mm-hmm. with every yeah. piece of our identity and when you talk about it being you know a part of civil rights and human rights I see that in the work that you do I see that your coaching isn't about you know here's how you give a better hand job or here and there's no shame in that like listen I'm teaching yeah, hand jobs I, out I here. I'm, I'm out here teaching yeah, hand it's, jobs. <laughs> it's valuable and valid yeah there's a time for that and a time and place yeah but beyond that you're you're really looking at breaking down stereotypes challenging gender roles looking and the I was interested in that intersection and the reason I started with hip-hop is you know where does the lack of love come from where where does the lack of opportunity lead us and I, I think it's interesting that you say you left hip hop and went into porn, and now it seems that you're kind of merging the two. I, I really am, and I thank you for bringing it full circle because um, hip hop, I love hip hop. I am a musician, and music is part of the way that I make love. There's very much a lot of parallels mm. in, in in my sexuality and my dancing. When I'm on the dance floor, I'm basically usually half naked, and I, I'm making love to the music. I dance with all of my body and Mm. I sweat on the dance floor and that's the same way I make my porn I put all of my heart and soul in my porn I I'm often sweating I'm often exhausted and I I'm very passionate as a lover but that being said I love hip-hop with all my heart and hip-hop as much as it's a beautiful brilliant thing it can be obviously toxic masculine fucking just incredibly horrible in that way it can be very sexist it can be misogynist it can be capitalist it can be ignorant but it's also very beautiful and brilliant and it can be educational so hip-hop kind of did everything and had almost every conversation it needed to have except for the gay rapper conversation Hmm. and i'm there's there's a couple very controversial things that i'm working on one of them is talking about eminem is actually gay and he's actually bisexual and i very much believe that he's the world's biggest power bottom but only a certain amount of people in the world are willing to discuss that and i say this i love eminem i love his brilliance i love he's a brilliant rapper but i do believe eminem and dr dre are gay bisexual and hip-hop will not talk about it there's some people why do you say that like what makes you think that because they're not out right they're not out and and um they're not out there's there's this weird stratification in hip-hop and one day i hope it's 2022 and i hope one day that hip-hop will have this conversation publicly instead of privately and in all this silent um message boards and just the secret whispering realms but in hip-hop if you're out you kind of if you come out you kind of get put in the underground so there's um if you're in the mainstream and you're out you you can't be out really I'm going to say a couple people who I sincerely, I love them. I support them. I'm not, I, I am queer. So I'm not trying to drag anybody out of the closet. I just want to be. Yeah. I'm a little concerned about that. Is it okay for us to, I mean, you, 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 yeah. And people can disagree with this. And I'm like, I say that I'm not saying this as an out, like I am a black queer artist myself. Mm -hmm. I've, I've had an interaction with Queen Latifah and Queen Latifah is all but said, I am a lesbian, but every, it's kind of understood 
Exactly. But like there's Queen Latifah, there's Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy has privately, when he was talking about sucking Christopher Williams' dick, he on record he's done that. You know, there's, you know. What about coffee? I'm thinking because I'm, you know, I'm, I see some of the, there was kind of a, a video and an ad that insinuated, I know coffee's not hip hop, obviously, but some of that I think about, especially, you know, from the Jamaican culture and because I'm thinking about reggae and I'm thinking about dance hall and all of the not latent homophobia, but blatant homophobia. Yeah, you're very right. I didn't quite hear coffee. And I love that you say that because I would sometimes look at coffee and honestly, I mean, you know, it's it's not 100%, but uh, my gaydar went off a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. So, I mean, nothing's 100%. And I, I do want to be really mindful that, like, these are conversations not about outing people, but about the fact that these things could exist and that we hear that they exist, but they are forced to suppress or they're forced to hide. And that's got to be a heavy, without, like, forget the names, honestly, but that has to be a heavy weight, a heavy burden to carry. It, it is the worst. And, like, Jess, I say this with love in my heart. I say this as a queer Black person. I'm not saying this as a heteronormative Black person on the outside. Like, I am a Black artist, queer person. I've kissed men. I've been intimate with men. And I wish that hip-hop would be mature enough to discuss this. Uh, another reason I say this is because Elton John has been out since 1981, like there, Katie Lang, like like white with white Katie musicians. Lang. There's so <laughs> many like queer white musicians that are just out and in the mainstream and rich and accepted. And you know Freddie mm-hmm. Mercury, all the like long time ago. But like a lot of black artists don't have the free. And it's not like black people mm-hmm. can't even like whether it's like hip hop or like it's external or internal forces doing the suppression. Somebody's doing it and perpetuating it, and it's 2022. And people should be out by now. I had this one interesting thought, like Little Nas X is one of the very first like hip hop mm-hmm. artists of all time to kind of come out. And I recently thought I saw him in show. It's fucking magnificent show. He's a superstar beyond belief. He's made me cry. And I, I fucking love that young man. I wish I could kiss him straight up. But I just thought he blew up so fast that he kind of surpassed hip hop and went straight to pop. He's not really like he's so big. He's just a pop star now. So I just like, I was like, he kind of was accepted by hip hop, but he also was just so big that it's beyond, he's just pop now. So there's so many conversations and so much progress. So I I'm, I know, I don't mean to out anybody. I want to work with these artists. Anybody that I say is gay, I say it with love and not, no disrespect. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's like somebody calling me, they'll be like, yo, Eddie, you look, you look like you're Trini. You'd be like, you know what? I'm not Trini. I'm actually Jamaican, but I take no disrespect if you were to call me Trini. Well, you're the only Jamaican who'd ever say that. So good for you. You're going to get some Trini messages coming in. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, anyways, so, yeah, so when we talk about this and we talk about kind of, there's a lot of talk around queering relationships and queering sexuality. And that doesn't mean everybody needs to be gay. That doesn't mean everybody has to have, you know, sexual relations with people of all genders. But there's this piece around opening up and just being open to love, being open to pleasure. And even today in spaces that I expect to be very progressive, we see so much homophobia. Like you talk about, for example, in hip hop, people not being able to come out. But in in porn, in mainstream porn, I'm sorry, we still see this expectation that cis women ought to be bi and men need to be straight. Like it's an entirely separate, uh, what do you call it, genre of porn 
for gay porn. So if we go back to the messaging around porn, how do we open up our minds? Like whether you're in porn or you're a regular um, non-porn performer, <laughs> and I shouldn't say regular because we're all regular. Yeah. We're all we're all just average. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got average taste. <laughs> all, all of mine, all of mine's pretty average. What do we do to to open our minds? Like, what is your best sex advice for everyone out there? Sex and relationships, love, all of that. How do we open our capacity? Uh, thank you for asking that, and then being uh, for humanizing <laughs> a very difficult process. I would say live in the moment the very best you can. Re like just really, uh, you know, so many people are they're like, oh, I was hotter when I was in my teens, or some guys are mm. like, I, my my best physical self was my me in my high school, or women are like. Oh, I'm past 40, so I can't be beautiful anymore. I'm I, I'm in my menopause era, so what? Whatever, whatever. Like it, it just people like either whether you're being like I'm not old enough, or I'm not strong enough, or I'm I'm too this, or I'm not enough that. Like all of that is it's just self sabotage in a way. And and I always tell people every single body is a porn star in secret. Everybody's got a <laughs> secret trick. Everyone's got a secret pleasure or passion. Everyone's got something that they can bring to the bedroom. You could be 600 pounds or whatever. Like there's somebody that wants that body. Like you could be like, oh, I'm not attractive in the traditional Vogue magazine, mainstream porn identity aesthetic. Okay, that's, yeah, sure. But that doesn't mean that you can't have sex. And that doesn't mean that there aren't people that aren't attracted to your body. You might have to and have, a ton of people. There are exactly a ton of people. There like are. you, you've obviously you've been with many people. You do it for a living, and I'm sure you can attest to the fact that Vogue magazine, Men's Health magazine, that is not what attracts you to people. That is not what brings pleasure. Not at all. And one of the reasons that I do a lot of my work, like the focus of me in my later right now, is trying to get beautiful people to admit that their ego is not satisfying them in the bedroom or satisfying their heart. Because just because you're beautiful and you have tons of followers on Instagram, you could have tons of social media followers. That's great. You have a like a small cult following of religion of people that want to are blowing up your inbox or whatever. That does that mean that you you're making good love? That, that does that mean you're having good relationships? Does that mean that you're not lonely every Friday or Saturday night? No, I know lots of beautiful people who really don't have good relationships, don't have good sexuality, and really are alone and are really are like selfish. Uh, not selfish, but like lonely and like. Like they can be selfish, but some of them are just like, <laughs> you know what? Like, it looks like I'm popular, but my heart is alone. And like, I'm, my desires and needs are not being met, even though I have lots of attention. I got slow social media out the ass, but I'm still heartbroken and lonely. I really yeah. want to get no, that I, illusion. I like that, that we have to like get comfortable in our skin and and feel comfortable and feel really worthy. And that's what I think that you do in your work. Like I know that we've kind of jumped all over the place, but bringing love into porn, bringing love into sex ed, bringing love into hip hop, bringing love kind of everywhere you go. And I, I don't know if that sounds cliche to people, but I know that that's where you lead, lead from. I know that it's so heart centered. And uh, I just want to shout out the fact that you also do love coaching like you do short sessions of just 30 minutes if people want to continue this conversation with you i'm going to recommend they head on over to malcolm 
lovejoy.com. Check out Love Coaching. There's a porn. What's the porn star experience before I let you go? <laughs> oh, bless your heart. It's well, <laughs> it's for those who who see the, the the more extreme positions in porn and more and more adventurous ideas and stuff and be like, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling up to the challenge today. Like, I, I, I don't want just roses and, and, and a massage and a bubble bath and some nice kisses. Like, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, reverse, maybe we can do Flying Angel and Reverse Cowgirl today, you know? Maybe we can try to get nine positions in. <laughs> you know? I love that. Yeah, I I'm, love that. And it's, it's for hire. So you're getting it from a professional. You're also getting it not from a professional who's good at sex. Sure, you're, you can be good at it, but also who really cares and has that human connection, the empathy side. So uh, you have massage services, cuddling services, the boyfriend experience, the porn star experience, and love coaching. So people do do check it out, MalcolmLoveJoy.com. And I just want to shout out Malcolm because when you meet Malcolm, you can't not like Malcolm. Yeah, he's great. He's got the biggest smile. He's just the nicest person. And he, you know what? You engage and people, you grab, I gravitate towards you when, when we met and we talked. I'm just, and when I see you again, I'm like, oh, hey, man, what's up? You know, it just, you can't not like Malcolm. Even when years pass. So thank you so much for being with us today, Malcolm. So appreciated. Brandon and Jess, yo, you are like sex work family. I love y'all. Y'all are beautiful and wonderful and brilliant. And it was such a pleasure to see you again. I'm so happy we got to do this. I thank you so much for all of this conversation. And Jessica, for real, like love is the center of my being. I'm a sacred worshiper of women and humanity and love and romance. And I honestly, if it said goddess worshiper or sacred whore on my grave and that's all it said i would be happy in some ways like that's that's really who i am put it in the will uh, put it in the will you can do that you can, everybody should have a will that's a different conversation all right we have to stop thank you so yes. much for your time thanks babe for for chatting thank you thank you for listening folks a quick reminder we've got one more week happiercouples.com the courses are on sale it's ending this week 25 percent off with code podcast we have the mindful sex course the mind-blowing oral course and the premature ejaculation lasts longer in bed course happiercouples.com we'll be back next week thanks so much folks you're listening to the sex with dr jess podcast improve your sex life improve your life